My favorite part of this podcast is trying to figure out what connection Dan is making with the intro songs. And I have no clue who looks like a lady this week. Well, I think the thing is, is at the end of the day with 12 males, as, as I understand that I just made a politically incorrect statement in today's society, um, somebody's got to be looking like the lady this week with some of the roster decisions and some of the pieces that go there. Benching a guy that scores 33, 33.4 points is a rough thing to swallow, but you know what? I mean, you win some, you lose some with it, but it's Tuesday night. We're sitting here and you know what, man, we've got a couple teams that are looking like ladies from a playoff perspective, but let's just have some fun. I mean, ladies can dominate. Oh, why we gotta uh, why we gotta gender discriminate? I'm like that, not gender Joe. discriminating, man. I'm just uh-huh. I'm just channeling my inner Steven Tyler. Okay. As, I, as I, we go say no more. I think say about no Mrs. More. Doubtfire. Like I just immediately think about Mrs. Doubtfire when when that song comes on. <laughs> With it, I did a lot of cleaning today. I had the vacuum out. I was I was dancing around doing my thing. So, did you have to like quickly throw a pie in your face to answer the door? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> did that happen? Uh, no, that did not happen. I, there's, uh, I, I'm not allowed to have sugary sweets in my apartment. I'm a fat ass, and I'll eat them all. Say no more. All right. Well, Dan, great to be back. We're doing another podcast. And another pod. This week, we got two trades. It's the trades keep coming nice and nice and steady. And um, as the season's kind of winding down, some teams are, you know, their journey's coming to an end. Um, and we're going to start looking at the teams that are out of the playoff hunt and kind of recapping maybe their season, where they're kind of sitting from, a, you know, going forward, like how their team's projected, maybe what they're kind of angling to do. And we're just going to talk about two teams this week and how they look. And then, of course, we're going to talk about matchups. Um, by and large, I feel like the matchups are kind of blah this week, except for one matchup in particular that I think we're both excited to talk about. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting, and we'll get to this when we talk about the matchups, but there could be a lot of trap matchups this week, potentially, for teams that point. feel pretty good about this and who's going to overlook part of a matchup, maybe get too cute with their roster decisions and then flub it. And at the end of the day, I mean, unless you're sitting in your perspective at 18-0, and 0, with <laughs> it, there's, there's not much you can do. But for you know teams like in the Justice League division, you can't afford not to make the best roster decisions you can. Absolutely not. Um, well, let's talk about some teams yeah, to try to trades, make some man. better roster decisions, make their team a little bit stronger. And we have two trades that went down this week, and both involve Steve, who, I mean, dare I say it, did he throw in the towel? Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the first trade, though. Um, and in this trade, it involves Steve and Adam. Um, they These two are back at it, making another deal. And not quite as big as their last one. Um, in this deal, Steve received a 2022 second round draft pick from Adam, uh, a 2023 fourth round draft pick from Adam, and Adam received Justin Jackson and a 2023 second round draft pick from Steve. So for those keeping track at home, uh, Steve basically got a second round pick a year earlier and a fourth round pick in exchange for Justin Jackson. Dan, what's your thoughts? I, I see Adam's perspective with this as Austin Eckler is continuing to ride the IR and yep. Justin Jackson has shown all the way up until this exact week with this is now what the third week in a row. My my trades the last two weeks and now Adams this week where a running back's been traded that's supposed to have a really good starting spot with yeah. it. And then Justin Jackson obviously goes down to injury versus underperformance from, you know, Madison and and Kelly. But, I mean, that's just a rough one to go through and do it. But I completely understand why the trade was made yep. to put points up with it. And you get a guy that, yes, we, we understand that he's going to be spelling Austin Eckler at best when Eckler's healthy with it. Um, but, you, you know... You, you change spots in second rounds to to get one a year earlier with it understanding we're still you know not not even next year's draft but the year after and the year after that is what we're talking about not a lot of immediate return for steve's roster so yep. this kind of begins the question you know is steve going to be looking at a couple pieces earlier than what um you know adam's going to be getting yeah, I mean, it obviously, you made the comparison right off the bat, reminds me of your Mattinson and um, Joshua Kelly trade. And I, you know, I, I didn't love either of those deals for you. I For this trade, I don't love it necessarily for Adam, but I think the cost that he paid is uh, very small. 
Um, the swapping the seconds a year, I mean, obviously there's some value gain for Adam for Steve for Steve, excuse me. Steve, Can't yeah. deny that. But I mean, you're getting Justin Jackson, like you said, he had a good matchup. The Austin Eckler news is kind of quiet. Um, we're getting to the point where we're gonna see some players that just don't come back. Not saying that Austin Eckler is going to fall into that boat, but teams that aren't contending that are, you know, really have no hopes, they're not going to rush back some of their best players. So I'm not saying Austin Eckler falls into that category, but he might. Um, So the one thing I'll bring up with this is obviously Adam's trying to make a push a little bit to maintain that playoff spot with it. This week, they've got Miami. Week 11, they've got the Jets. And week 12, they've got Buffalo. Those are three really good matchups to make yep. a push with. So you've got to like at least his matchups to get you to a point where you can make the playoffs. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like you said though, the injury popped up and um, it looks like it was a knee injury, I believe. Yeah, I don't think it, it looks it, too, too significant with it. Okay. Um, so shut we'll down. See. Yeah. I've been interested to see why practice status will continue to be coming in the in coming this week. Um, but yeah, we'll see what kind of happens with it. Yeah, and I mean, for Steve's you know perspective, I think Justin Jackson, um, his value is maybe inflated a little bit right now with the Austin Eckler uncertainty. So, I mean, if you're trying to maybe capitalize, you know, you definitely gain value here. I don't know. I, this trade doesn't really move the needle, I feel like, for either side. Yeah. I'm being honest. Yep, I'm not disagreeing with it. I think it's, again, when we look at the last two trades I made to, to this trade, I feel like we're within the realm of the same spectrum. Right. All right. So let's talk about the next trade. And this one, I think we're going to have a little bit more thoughts on. Correct. It also involves Steve. And this, I mean, I think this is a blockbuster. Uh, Steve received DJ Moore, Derek Carr, and a 2022 third round draft pick from Kevin. And Kevin received uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ryan Tannehill, and David Johnson. Dan, what are your thoughts? So, I obviously, we see a couple positional changes here, two specifically. Yep. We watch quarterbacks change hands. So, Kevin gets Tannehill and gets rid of Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. So, when I look at those two's perspective, I think Carr's the better quarterback. I think Carr has a better situation. Really? I, I think Carr has more opportunities to pass the ball and become a little bit more fantasy impacted. Yes, Tennessee has a better running game. They use the running game to set the passing game up. I like Carr in the Vegas offense with it. I, I Obviously, I'll, I'll give you your, your time here because I think you disagree. I mean, just to, like, for right off the bat, I mean, Tannehill's QB 10 on the year and and Carr's QB 21. Um, I don't know. Like, in theory, maybe someday. But, like, Tannehill, I think, is kind of like the – um, he's on the Mount Rushmore of disrespected players um, since taking over the starting lineup uh, week six or seven of last year for um, Mariota. He has not skipped a beat. I mean, he has played like an elite quarterback. You can say it's a running offense with Derrick Henry, and that's fine. But Tannehill is still producing very well. Um, Carr, yeah, they invest heavily in weapons, and he's having, I think, a rebound year from last year. But I don't know how you can spin this any other way that Tannehill's the the superior quarterback. I, again, it's it's hard to argue with this. So when we look at fantasy numbers with here, Derek Carr has one, two, three games over 20 points, hasn't had a single game below 10 with it. Tannehill on the other side is at one, two, three games over 20, mm-hmm. hasn't had a game below 14 with it, and he's eclipsed. 30 once so from a fantasy perspective yes it's right there he's thrown at least one touchdown in every single game other than the week they played minnesota with it which is actually the week that he scored 10 points and which was the lowest week that he's had mm-hmm. and it I, I mean it's hard to argue against part of that as teams focus so heavy on derrick derrick henry yep. in, in the goal line perspective he gets opportunities to put the ball in the air and obviously you know aj brown's a big playmaker john New smith is a big red zone weapon you Corey Davis has come on. Corey Davis has come on. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Adam Humphreys, Adam Humphreys came down with the injury with it, but Cleef Raymond steps up when he's gone. Um, he's got weapons, and mm-hmm. Derek Carr is beginning to get those weapons. Now, Derek Carr's weapons are a lot younger than some of those with it. I, I think I mean, Tannehill's youngest receiver is A.J. Brown. Yeah, but I mean, I think Jonu Smith is in his third year. Corey Davis is in his fourth year. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I, they, they both have young teams. Yeah. I don't know. I think you can say if you want to spend this long term, you prefer Derek Carr. Fine, I'm not going to argue with you. But at least in the short term, like this year and next, I think Tannehill's the the clear choice. Okay, so we move on to the next yep. position for position category here. And we look at Juju Smith-Suscher versus DJ Moore. Well, in my mind, Juju Smith-Suscher is the better wide receiver, 100%. I think that's a that's an easier piece. DJ Moore has has moments where he's showing signs of excitement, but he fights a little bit with Robbie Anderson for target share. Um, obviously, Christian McCaffrey came back this week, which cut into a lot of his fantasy production. Now, no, nobody knows what's going to happen kind of with Christian McCaffrey coming forward with the shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but DJ Moore has great opportunity, but Juju Smith-Schuster is obviously the man on the other side now. With Big Ben having COVID and everything, that makes you kind of, curious about is this fantasy production going to fall off at all put up 21 points against dallas with it 93 yards in the air with a touchdown that's kind of nice with it but he's had games where he's disappeared played a really tough philly offense played a very vulnerable cleveland offense where didn't really put up much of anything with it but every other game has been at least over 11 points so i i like the juju piece going to kevin in this piece yeah i mean I, I don't know if I can definitively say Juju's a better wide receiver than TJ Moore. Um, I think both are very talented young wide receivers. Um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is 23 years old. And when we look at DJ Moore, he's 22, I believe. 23 yeah, as well. 23, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Pittsburgh offense is maybe a little bit more pass-happy than the Carolina offense. Um, but at the end of the day, too, like... I don't think either guy is the number one in that offense. You know, when we look at Pittsburgh offense, when Deontay Johnson's healthy, he's number one. And Chase Claypool might be their arguable or perhaps best like playmaking player in the offense. And when you look at, um, you know, Carolina, Robbie Anderson, clearly right now is the number one. I would argue DJ Moore is probably their biggest playmaker. But of late, Curtis Samuel has come on very hot as kind of their gadget do it all player um so we'll see um i think both players are very similar um but the biggest um x factor right now is juju smith schuster is going to be a free agent next year and where does he go um does he stay in pittsburgh um we mentioned claypool and deontay johnson um those guys both look good one's a rookie one's in their second year um is Pittsburgh willing to commit those big dollars to Juju Smith-Schuster. And if they don't commit those big dollars, where does he go? Um, so his value could greatly change in the coming you know, few months. So just really random curiosity because we talked yeah. about it here. Don't need, a, don't need a lot of thought into this, but Juju is a Steeler next year or somewhere else? I'm going to say somewhere else. I agree. I think he goes somewhere else. Um, so the last part of this trade, obviously, is, is uh, the third-round draft pick. Yep. for David Johnson. And David Johnson has been actually pretty consistent is the word I'll use. Not explosive, not crazy, but you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. Obviously, he had a concussion last week, um, which kind of set him back a little bit. But mm-hmm. when we look at weeks one through seven, lowest he scored was seven points, highest he scored was 19. Everything has been around the 11 to 13 range. Yep, that's in there. And if you can forecast that, hey, I'm going to get 11 to 13 points out of a specific guy every week, understanding you really want more fantasy production out of a running game. But Houston's not really in a whole lot of games to to give you a lot of happiness with part of that. Um, but they've got to use him to set up Deshaun Watson to be able to pass. And that gives him fantasy relevance. Is David Johnson worth a third round pick? I think David Johnson has a little bit more value than a third round pick, understanding that. I'm not excited either way about either of those guys. I'm not a big David Johnson fan, mm-hmm. but I think value wise, I see David Johnson maybe has a little bit more value than that third round pick, especially because it's again, not next year, but we're talking 2022. Yeah. I mean, he's, if you're going to make that comparison, he's considerably worth more than a third round pick. He's probably, value, absolutely. he's probably worth a second round pick in like this upcoming draft. Um, he's right around a top 20 running back. You know, he left this week's game very early with a concussion and that had a big impact on his no production this week. Um, so yeah, for a team that wants to win right now, which Kevin's going for David Johnson's, you know, a very solid piece to have. We keep talking about that. The X factor this year is going to continue to be depth. 
and mm-hmm. teams that are going to make a run for it. Your team's proven it. Stefan's team's proven it. Depth is what matters. And for Kevin, this solidifies his ability to, if COVID hits, if injury hits, if something unforeseen happens, he's got options. And obviously when you sit down and you're holding on to the last playoff spot by a two game lead with it, okay. where you're chasing just six points and you've had almost 80 or you've had exactly 80 more points scored against you than for you. You've got to go through and make the, the, the pieces to give yourself options to deal with. And that's what Kevin's doing here. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I think it, it's kind of interesting though, when you look at this trade, just because do you have, you know, we went through everything. Like who do you, who do you like more for this trade? Like, who do you think got better value? I think it's. Fr- I think there's two different pieces to it. From a win now mm-hmm. perspective, Kevin takes care of business. Yep. From a future perspective, understanding this is dynasty, Steve wins the trade. Yeah, I mean it's just so tough. I think DJ it's, Moore it's and a Juju. Great trade. Smith- it's a great trade. DJ Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, are just kind of the determining factors because, you know, a year ago, um, like before the season started, I think Juju Smith-Schuster was, you know. He was thought of very high in the dynasty community. Like people wanted to call him a top five wide receiver. You know, they thought with Antonio Brown gone, like now's the time for Juju Smith-Schuster to be that elite player. And unfortunately, you know, Ben obviously got injured early, but even without Ben, like the most impressive wide receiver for the Steelers looked like Deontay Johnson. Um, and for DJ Moore, he was kind of very similar to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster because going into this year, I think everyone was thought he was going to be an elite player. And, I mean, he has had some great years prior to all this. You know, he's gone over a 1,000 yards, I think, both his first two years. But he's disappointed um, this year relative to some of the his teammates. So it's kind of interesting how both guys have kind of fallen off their, from their val- previous value. Uh, these past two years i tell you what i've i mean personally for me i would love to see juju smith schuster put on a miami dolphins uniform oh yeah i I mean there's a lot of teams that i think would be you know would happy you know to see him you Mm know we could go through i mean new england i I think cincinnati i think um who Dolphins, like you mentioned, yep, I think uh, Dolphins will be a fun one. I think in Seattle's a great, a great the Giants, the Giants, Sa- Seattle, maybe, one. yeah. Um, Eagles, Packers. I mean, the list goes on. Like, I don't think there's going to be any short list of suitors for Juju if Pittsburgh decides to move on. Nope. All right, so that covers the two trades. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, we Steve is Steve like kind of out of the hunt right now. You know, he did get back some players. Justin Jackson might not play a role, but uh, how are you feeling? Is this, did he raise the white flag this week? Mathematically, I have to say no. Okay. Steve technically is alive. Mm-hmm. From a gut instinct perspective, Steve is, Steve is done now. This yeah. Is, it's I mean, hard to with that. where he sits and everything, chasing these 7 and 11 to, you know, 11 and 7 is where you need to be. You need to make up four games in. So you need to make up at least four points out of eight possible with it. And you've got another team that's ahead of you at nine and nine. I think Steve is really, really, really fighting an uphill battle. And I think he's about done. And this is uh, this is about trying to improve yourself long term. Yeah, I agree with that. But let's talk about long term teams now, shall we? Yeah, let's. I mean, this podcast, you know, we try to talk about everything everything going on but it skews more towards the teams that are contending for this year um so let's talk about two teams that unfortunately are not contending this year and for both teams it's really by choice by design um so we're going to talk about armand and jerry's team and let's start off with armand's team um armand i think going into the season he definitely didn't expect to contend by any means but after, you know, the gift that was the Saquon Barkley trade, I think that there was maybe some optimism that something fun could happen. And unfortunately, you know, Saquon tore his ACL in week two. Um, and after that, the writing was kind of on the wall for um, Armand's team. He made a few moves to kind of get out of contending. You know, he moved um, Tyler Higby before the year. 
Um, he moved Cooper Cup for Cortland Sutton and tore his ACL. Um, very quickly, Armand shifted to punting the season. And, you know, it, we'll see if that was the right call. But right now he's looking locked and loaded at the number one overall pick. He is presumably going to be getting Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, I mean, with Armand's team, you know, how about you talk about some of the rookies he added in this year's class and how you like them long term, Dan? Yeah, so I I mean, we got to start with with obviously where the name sits. It's tanked for Tua. You got Tua, yep. and Tua looks fucking good. Tua came out against Arizona, put up 21 fantasy points, found two scores in the air, found some rushing yards with it. Like, you've got to feel good about what you saw out of Tua. Um, DeAndre Swift is going to get his opportunities over in um, Detroit. Obviously, again, to reiterate what we talked about last week, hopefully under a different coaching staff where he actually is built into that offense. I don't think Adrian Peterson's there next year because they give him the bulk of the lion's share for what needs to happen. Zach Moss has been pretty outstanding in that off in the Buffalo offense. Now, the Buffalo offense has been pretty fantastic, but I think this is a guy that's moved to number one on the depth chart. He passed Evan Singletary and mm-hmm. is really going through and, and making hay. Um, Robert Tanyan has been pretty outstanding in that offense. Didn't have a great week last week, but he's been relatively consistent being over 10 fantasy points, a couple weeks under a big week in 36, but he's been a guy that's really stepped up for the green Bay piece. Do you think he's someone long-term for that? I think long-term right now with his production and the Rogers is a big guy that builds around trust. Mm -hmm. And if Rogers has trust with you, you become fantasy relevant. Robert Tanyan's shown that he can catch the ball, he can get into the areas where he can make plays, and he doesn't drop shit like Marquez Valdez-Scanling does. And dropped a touchdown, yeah, Rodgers went back to him, but I think Tanyan has the possible upside pieces to it to be relevant, but nobody really knows what's going to happen in that Green Bay offense. Are the, is the front office actually going to bring in weapons that's going to make him irrelevant? Alone? Oh, yeah. Who knows? And, that's and it's interesting. Part. He'll be a free, well, a restricted free agent this offseason. Yep. So we'll we'll be able to find out really quickly how the Packers value him. Yeah. When we talk about additional depth pieces that I'm excited about, obviously Saquon Barkley's right there. But mm-hmm. Michael Pirine has had um, shown really exciting bursts of consistency. And then really where he doesn't have anything. But, I mean, old man Gore is going to eat into the share this year. But going forward, it looks like he might be the guy for the Jets. Um Alshon Jeffrey is a, is a name we can got it. We have to mention with it. Adam Humphreys has shown that he's a, a good guy. Cortland Sutton obviously is on the IR. Uh, Devin Duvernay I really like in the in that offense. Um, Adam Shaheen got a big deal down in um, in Miami to do that. Um, Albert O is now gone for the year with an ACL injury. Um, so this is a team that I'm. The word I would describe this team is youth. Oh yeah, there's a time. lot of youth on this. Now, you have some youth that's shown that they can be productive, but there's a lot of youth that you can't be really feeling good about. No. And for for Armand, it's going to be looking into the off season where you only have one first round pick. You've got two seconds. You've got one, two, three, four third round picks, which we know how important our third round picks are for this. But, I mean, that's a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 picks in this draft. Yep. The question is, is are those 11 picks you're going to make going to be guys you're actually going to roster? Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, as we've seen, you know, you can find quality players in the third mm-hmm. and even fourth round. But, you know, the odds are in your favor with the higher picks. And only one first round pick and only two second round picks, it'll, you know, can he get those consistent players? He's going to get a really nice one with the first overall pick. That's for sure. We'll see what happens with those second pick, with the second rounders and then to the third and fourth. Um, I think obviously with Armand's team, you know, the two um, probably at this point, you know, two, might be number two or three, depending on how you want to say it. But his most important players are injured. Saquon Barkley and Cortland Sutton. Um, Saquon, any concerns? Do you think he's still going to be an elite you know, top three running back in this league? Easy top five, top three. I think he's going to be tested by the oncoming of Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey yep. with it. I think Ezekiel Elliott still plays strong into that. He's a very good top five guy. And Cortland Sutton. I mean, we see we saw Denver add a lot of pieces. Jerry Judy has come on and looked very strong this year. And, you know, you got Noah Fant. You got 
you know, Albert o, o towards ACL, Tim Patrick. Uh, where does Sutton fit in? Is he still the unquestioned number one guy on this team? Or do you think he's going to be competing with a lot of targets next year? He's going to be competing for targets with what we've seen out of Jerry Judy and, and Noah Fant. Um, I think there's a lot of positivity mm-hmm. with that because Cortland Sutton, I think, has more talent than both of those guys. But I think I think there's obviously different mouse to feed with it, but you can't deny the talent that's there. He, no. he should be a 1A, if not a 1B target. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so, I mean, we mentioned, obviously, the big trade he had this offseason. That was for Saquon Barkley. Um, he made, I think, a really big trade that'll help him long term with, excuse me, the, the Tyler Higby trade. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about probably the one biggest mistake to your benefit would be the Devontae Adams trade. Um, yeah. I mean, this one has not aged all that well for Armand, unfortunately. Um, Dwayne Haskins might never be a starting quarterback again. Um, we'll see what happens with Washington this the rest of this year. Um, Jarvis Landry, Landry um, Armand quickly moved on for a second. Um, he got what the pick that turned into DeAndre Swift, and he's got a second-round pick in this coming draft that is actually Sam's, so that should be you know, pick three or pick four. Um, either way you slice it, I mean, it's, I don't think he got the right value for Devontae Adams. Um, I mean, everyone's going to make good trades, bad trades. I mean, some trades just don't work out for you. Um, but thank goodness he had that Barkley trade because otherwise this is a move that can haunt you when you don't capitalize on stud yep. in a deal. So, so the one thing I'll ask you is we, we kind of yeah. wrap up Armand's team. Yeah. Armand's biggest win from this year and Armand's biggest missed opportunity. I mean, I'll start with the missed opportunity. It's Devontae Adams. Um, you basically just got DeAndre Swift to show for it. Um, that you need like two or maybe even three DeAndre Swifts for what right now is like the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Um, if you didn't get the Saquon Barkley deal, you know, if you didn't get some of the other deals, like this would look really bad. And, you know, when you're a contending team, you're kind of, riding like a very you're playing a high stakes game of poker if you fuck up like moving what is like your most valuable piece it can really 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 set you back thankfully Armand was able to pull off some other moves that i think kind of neutralized that but oh that's a that's a bad one um as far as i think his biggest you know success or thing to look forward to it's easy to say the barkley trade but let's let's go with tua i mean he got his guy um he wanted him you know very quickly when he took over for this team last year and Tua, I mean, it's only been his second full start, but he looked pretty good. And I think Tua is going to be a staple for this team for a long time going forward. Yep. I, yep. I think the, I think you could have gone Tua, or you could have gone with, with the uh, Saquon Barkley trade opportunity. Yep. My, my, my hope for his, this team mm-hmm. is he has a lot of resources in 22 and 23. Yep. I think his biggest potential missed opportunity is is if he doesn't try to use those resources to play in this draft this year and see what he can do to make moves to make himself relevant with the talent we're seeing come out of this COVID NCAA league with it. He's got, what, two first-round picks in 22, two first-round picks in 23. He's got a lot of additional picks in the third round here. Mm-hmm. Moving up, I think, is a big opportunity that I don't think I want to see him miss out on. So I'm going to I'm gonna future date mine and say, yep, dead. I'm not going to rub in the Adams trade and anything like that. I really appreciate the fact that he's two weeks over 30, a week over 40. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I want to see him get some pieces in this draft, and I think he's got the resources on the back end of this draft to really kind of sweeten the pot to make sure he gets guys that he really wants. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I don't think that's a huge must just because I don't know if I think Armand's team is the furthest away from contending of anyone in the league. So yeah, if it, if you can do it and it makes sense by all means, shoot your shot, but I don't think it's, I don't think it needs to be quite as, you know, urgent and pushing for a draft picks in the upcoming draft. Um, you know, rebuilds usually take time, um, especially like a complete teardown that Armand really had to do with his team. So it's patience is often the most difficult thing to have. And 
any in life, um, but especially, you know, dynasty football. So I don't know. That'd be my two cents on that. Okay. Uh, yep. I mean, this is where I think this is fun for us because you and I both have ever so slightly differing opinions on mm-hmm. some things. And I think that's what make us makes us a nice yin and yang, a little catch the mustard <laughs> kind of in these podcasts. Absolutely. So let's talk about our next team. And how about you kind of start us off with uh, Jerry and how how this how things are looking and how this year went? I mean, so with Jerry's team, you obviously have to start at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And he's got two absolute studs in A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. And D.K. Metcalf obviously is the guy that you have to be most excited about in the offense. He pairs up well with Russell Wilson. He's just a beast of a human being. But you don't want to take anything away from A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, as we've talked about the Tennessee offense, he's the guy that's going to get the ball. He's going to be thrown to. And then you have an up-and-comer in T. Higgins who has shown that he's building chemistry with Joe Burrow. I mean, you've got a guy like who else is on this team? Not Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb's been okay, but not great. KJ Hamler, Hunter Renfro, I'm really, really a big fan of. Zach Henry Pascal, Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. LaVisca um, Chenault. LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Odalame Zacchaeus with it. <laughs> um, Jalen Guyton, depending on if he finds some pieces. LaVisca Chenault, I think, is really good. Darnell Mooney will we'll tickle the Bears fans' ears with that. Anytime you hear that name, you've got to feel really excited. What a stacked, young, wide receiver court Jerry's got. And that's got to be kind of exciting. Outside of that, there's not really a quarterback on the roster, which nope. convenient for Jerry. He's got a couple first-round picks, which could result in the fact that he's going to be able to get one of these younger guys. There's not really a stud running back on the list. I mean, when you fact that you think that maybe your best running back is Travis Homer at this point in time, like that's not really encouraging from no. a tight end perspective. You've got Irv Smith, but you don't really feel good, feel good about where that is. Hopefully the bears understand that Cole Komet's actually a pass catcher and that's going to be really good. Um, but Vance McDonald's not going to be the answer with Eric Ebron being on that team. Nope. Um, so that's kind of my initial piece for, for Jerry's team, massive, massive depth at wide receiver. Absolutely. It, arguably probably one of the deepest wide receiver pieces with positive upside, but the rest of the team's just not there. But with three first round picks, three second round picks in this coming draft, three third round picks and a straggling fourth, that's 10 draft picks that Jerry can use to really kind of help upgrade some of these pieces and add additional depth to his roster. Yeah, I think you covered it. I mean, it's important to note. I mean, you can't really understate the wide receivers like that. His wide receiver core can compete with anyone else in the league. Um, and that's going to, you know, wide receivers after maybe quarterbacks or maybe ahead of quarterbacks, depending on your mindset. Um, that's kind of what you build your team around because they just have long-term staying power. So Jerry has that like covered. Um, if he gets any more great, but that's, you know, he knows that he's got his wide receivers of the future right here. Quarterback though, massive hole. Running back, massive ball. Yeah, especially in a two-quarterback league. Now, he, right now, looks like pretty locked and loaded at getting the second overall pick. And this quarterback class looks very, very strong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, chances are that second pick is going to be a quarterback. So we know Jerry is going to get that, you know, in this coming draft. And we'll see. He's got multiple picks. There could be more than two. There likely will be more than two quarterbacks that go in the first round. So maybe Jerry has a chance to get two, three quarterbacks. I don't know. In this rookie draft class, that can help him long term. Um, running back, though, is is a hole. And um, but yeah, I I keep coming back to the wide receiver core because I, I don't want it to sound as gloomy as I'm making it out. Oh, to yeah. when, you, when you have that wide receiver core that that will mask a lot of mistakes or not a lot of mistakes, a lot of holes that Jerry's team has. Yeah. But I think it's the reason why Jerry has put himself in a position where he has put more potential points. than I think he really wants to is mm-hmm. because he's got these studs that have to play in his roster. And you've got to, you've got, I mean, when you think about this, Jerry starting one, two, three, it, minimum six, probably wide receivers every single week with his, which just shows you how deep his team is. But I think, 
So I'll start on the positives and negatives. I think Jerry did his rebuild right. Jerry's got three first-round draft picks, moved some running backs to get rid of points, has a deep wide receiver core like you talked about where I know if Ruth was on this podcast, he would say, you know, running backs are a dime a dozen. you got to find guys that are hot at the time that they're hot, but their careers are just so so short-lived with it. Um, I think obviously moving on from Le'Veon Bell up until the fact where he ended up with Kansas City was a great move for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel, it hasn't been everything that that he's needed to be with part of it. Um, I mean, obviously, I just previously said Ezekiel, it's probably a top five guy. Um, <laughs> but depth-wise, it's good. I really feel good about what this is. The big piece for Jerry is to not mess up the draft, making sure that he covers the pieces that he needs to cover to take care of business so that he has the ability to put the pieces in play to make sure he can begin to build for the future for especially starting with the quarterback position. Yeah. I mean, I think um, if we look at positives, um, I think it's been his drafting so far. Um, yeah. He, he started the league off with, he, he would love a mulligan on it, trading away his first round pick, um, but he got some other picks and he's drafted best player available. I mean, he opened it up getting DK Metcalf and AJ Brown this year. I mean, T Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, um, Henry Ruggs. I mean, all those picks look like foundational building blocks. Um, so this year, you know, we can, you know, the draft is a crapshoot. So we can't assume that Jerry's going to keep just knocking these picks out of the park. But he's shown a history through two years that he knows, you know, the right players to draft. And let's hope that this continues. Um, as far as, I mean, negatives, if you want to go, I mean, maybe, um, I don't even know how to word this, but maybe just holding out for a little bit too much in deals. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a lot of value for several games this year. And, um, I mean, I didn't get directly involved in any talks, but I mean, he should not have been on his Jerry's roster for long. There was, this is a super flex league. A lot of teams needed help. He should have been shipped. On the flip side, I think there is a little bit panic with the Derek Carr deal and moving him as quickly as he did. Um, so I guess just maybe those small situations of, you know, either overreacting or perhaps underreacting. I mean, it's a it's a fine line to walk, but I think that would probably be the the weaknesses or the weakness yeah. for Jerry. I mean, and when you think about that, we've got a lot of guys here that are dealing with maybe their first dynasty league. Sure. With it, and you know, I I can't speak to Armand's, you know, depth or Adams or Chris's. These are guys that I'm really not 100% familiar with, but I know with, you know, guys like you, Steve, uh, Ruth, Sam. Like everybody's got a little bit of depth and experience with some of this stuff. Um, you know, it, it, these guys have the ability to make some moves. So I think it's it's kind of interesting. But the last piece I'll question you with here is, mm -hmm. as we look at obviously Jerry and Armand, yep. where they could be potentially picking one two in this year's draft. Yep. Is there any way Justin Fields jumps Trevor Lawrence in this draft, depending on landing spot, how the year finishes out with it? Because I think at least my personal perspective, as we look at this year, Justin Fields has looked better than Trevor Lawrence has. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just so hard because like at the end of the day, you know. I mean, I do it. I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast, you know, look at prospects, you know, look at it, have their own opinions and maybe read other, you know, experts. I'm using air quotes and read their opinions on these players. But at the end of the day, like it's it's a keep it simple, stupid like method. How the NFL views these players is often how they determine or how um, their value is determined. So whoever is picking one, whether it's the Jets, Giants, or some mystery team. And whatever quarterback they pick is probably going to be like the most or the the best player available in this draft. Um, is there a chance that Justin Fields could pass Trevor Lawrence? Hells yeah. Why not? I mean, you're absolutely right. Fields has been phenomenal. Lawrence has been phenomenal since day one and has exceeded all I mean expectations year two and in year three so far. Um, so I, I won't be shocked if he, you know, if the status quo happens and he goes number one. Um, so I guess my long winded answer of saying, in, in saying all this is let's see how the draft shakes out and chances are the NFL teams are going to determine how we view these players and who goes where. Nice. Well, let's move <laughs> on to, uh, to pick them there. So I had a, we, you and I both had a really rough week this week. I just want to put that out there. So you're, yep. you're Chris flip switched as um 
um, the Packers running back did play. Aaron Jones did Aaron play, Jones so I went. Yep. I went with Steve, and yep. unfortunately, that sucked for both of us. So you went two and four. I went three and three. I open up a two-game lead here uh, as we move into the pick'em segment, which is everybody's favorite segment of this. Is what I assume everybody's favorite segment is. Um, Everyone's but, checked out at this point. Oh yeah, this, I mean, after listening to us ramble for what thirty-five minutes, yeah, nobody gives a shit. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, this week the matchups there. Good, not great. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, but let's talk about, I guess, the first one. And this might be low hanging fruit. It might not be. Um, Nick Ruth taking on Armand's team. Yeah, I mean, obviously Baker's coming back out of out of COVID pieces to it. With it, Armand's got life in what is Tua. Um, but the big question becomes is, you know, what we're going to see out of the players that Armand gets to start. I don't think it's ever enough. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's Ruth is going to be the winner here. The question is, is how interesting Armand's team can make it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, unless for whatever reason, um, Baker is ruled out. You know, he is, he still has that COVID label. I don't know where things stand. You got to go with Nick Ruth. All right. Who's up next? Um, let's do uh, Zane taking on Jerry. I don't think Jerry's starting a quarterback this week. I don't believe he is with uh, Kyle Allen being injured. So this makes it yeah. rather easy. Yep. Zane. Zane's Zane. got a lot of fun matchups, but yeah, definitely Zane. Sorry, right. and, not happening. <laughs> and this one, I mean, it might be a little bit closer, but let's talk about uh, the bro- another brother matchup potential. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking on Sam this week. And I mean, Sam's team... He's almost got a full squad. I mean, he doesn't have any buy issues. Um, tight end obviously remains the biggest weak spot, but Joe Burrow has been sensational. I'm picking me, and I'm probably devoting a little bit too much time, but I think I think Sam's squad is feisty. I I think feisty is a great word to use for it. Carson Wentz has a great matchup against the Giants. With yep. it. Uh, James Robinson has a great matchup against Green Bay, and he's shown that he can be part of this. The fact that you're starting two Tampa Bay wide receivers, though, is a bit sketchy with it. Tight end position, Sam doesn't really have anybody with, but a couple young wide receivers in Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, a young quarterback in Joe Burrow, a lot of positive upside here. Sam's projected at 142 points currently, which is pretty outstanding for when you consider what most of the league finishes at, depending on the average there. Yep. But there's no way I'm picking against an 18 and 0 team. Not when the fact when you get to pick between Kyler Murray, you know Russell Wilson and Sean Watson every week. Um, my biggest question for you is: Are you frustrated with the Mark Andrews play that you're getting out of this season? I mean, I think I'm definitely a little bit frustrated. I think that whole offense, whoever you have a share of, has been very disappointing this year. Um, and it all probably starts with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if if this is a case of the league just figuring him out, him maybe regressing, the offensive coordinator having issues, all the above. Maybe Mark Andrews isn't doing a great job getting open. I don't know. Um, But yeah, definitely disappointed. I think the one thing that I look at when I see Mark Andrews and really just this entire Baltimore team is the playoff schedule. I mean, week 13, you have Dallas. Week 14, you have Cleveland. And week 15, you have Jacksonville. And then week 16, you have the Giants. Those are four pretty strong weeks towards the end of the season um, that this offense could get, you know, could start humming along and you could see Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, whatever running back they're rolling out, maybe start rolling. So definitely frustrated, but hopefully things turn around. So the last question I'll ask you there is, do Uh you have any fantasy relevancy in Jared Cook? Yeah. Over what Mark Andrews should be doing. I mean, I think Jared Cook definitely has value. Um, Obviously, now with, you know, Michael Thomas back, you know, we'll see how that kind of impacts the offense. But Drew Brees likes his tight end. You know, he does not. Drew Brees isn't a deep ball thrower. He likes the guys that run the short routes. And Jared Cook is just old reliable. Um, I think he's someone that I definitely will consider, especially with, I think, in a week or two with some bye weeks. Um, He will definitely be an option. So. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely on my radar. Yeah, I mean, especially with the trade deadline coming up, I mean, there's obviously some teams that could potentially be 
talking to you and understanding you probably don't want to deal in division, but you never know what might happen. But all right. So now that we've covered the entire Avengers league, where are we going in the justice league? All right. Let's talk about, I mean, this, I will see, but Stefan and Chris. Yep. Go ahead. You um, can start this one. All right. So let's talk about Stefan's team first. And when we look at Stefan's team, um, obviously at quarterback, you know, you're going, uh, excuse me, click the wrong team, you know, Tom Brady and Jared Goff, um, Teddy Bridgewater is playing is the only other option. And who does he play? He plays Tampa Bay this week. So it's he plays Tampa Bay. Brady or that one. Then they're going up against each other. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand going Tom Brady. He shot the bed this week. That whole team did. You got to imagine they're going to rebound and rebound well this week. Uh, the most exciting thing, I think, for Stefan's team is that you're going to have Nick Chubb hopefully back. And that will be just a huge boon for your team taking on Houston, which is, you know, not the greatest against the rush defense or rushing defense team. Um, I mean, honestly, talking a lot, the biggest thing that I don't like about Chris's team is his running backs are both on a bye. Ezekiel Elliott and Clyde Edwards Delaire are out. And who is Chris going to start over those guys? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, the options are limited at carry on Johnson, Kalen Ballage. I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's a real true bye week hell. I'm going to take Stefan's team pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I think Stefan's team is going to be the winner of this matchup, but I don't know if you know this. And I think this will be a fun fact for those of you that are as interested in this as I am. Okay. Do you know how many rushing attempts Tampa Bay had last week? Rushing attempts. Uh, rushing attempts last week between Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Tom Brady, and anybody else that could carry the ball out of the backfield. I'm going to say 14. Five. Five. Wow. This is this broken 87-year-old NFL record. So 87 years is how long it took somebody to break the fact that we had five total rushing attempts out of this backfield. Fun fact, who owns the entire backfield in Tampa Bay? If your guess is as good as my, I think, oh, well, yes, sorry. I thought, I thought you were asking which player. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Nobody fucking knows. Yeah. But I mean, Leonard Fournette, Bruce Arian seems to trust him. He's the one that was in on all these passing downs. Um, I think Fournette probably has the higher ceiling, but Ronald Jones, if it's a good game script and they can rush the ball more, I think would be more heavily involved. I completely agree. And that's a very concerning factor if I'm Stefan where you watch five total rush attempts in a game. Now with that being said, Chris has got to start let's see, are you starting does he have a running back? Honestly, it's it's Kalen Ballage, I think, and Karrion Johnson. Okay, so no. Or maybe Malcolm Brown. Like yeah, and this, it, he's scraping from the bottom of the barrel. Um and that's you know why this is so, I, but I thought that was a fun fact. So for Stefan, you've got additional depth pieces that you're not sure how much relevancy they carry. You catch a very beneficial week this week where you catch Chris on a really bad situation for a mm-hmm. team that needs to catch a couple games and a couple points with it. I've got Stefan as well. Yeah. I, real quick before we move on with Stefan. Yeah. Gun to your head. Mm-hmm. Which tight end do you like the rest of the season? Eric Ebron, Tyler Higby, or Jimmy fucking Graham? Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's shown week after week that he's the guy in Chicago, which is outside of Allen Robinson, which should have 80% of the target share. Jimmy mm-hmm. Graham's a guy that's catching balls and putting up points with it. Second, I would put Ebron in that list. Yep. Yeah, that's tough. I think I go I think I go Ebron, but Jimmy I, Graham has definitely been... I like Ebron more, but Jimmy Graham has shown me that he's going to put up points more often than Ebron is. So, from your perspective, Stefan just needs that floor with this tight end. A hundred percent. If Stefan can get floor with his tight end, mm-hmm. and he can he can base right the rest of it, he's in good shape. I'll buy that. All right, let's move on to the next game. And this, you know, again, it, it, very similar to Chris. It's kind of a pseudo playoff game. Steve needs to win this, and he's taking on you. Um, how about Dan? You start with your team and give me a breakdown. All right. So obviously, I've got my man, my boy, the myth, the man, the legend. You know, Josh Allen, which you got to feel good with. Drew Brees has a really great matchup against San Francisco, so I feel really good there. Running back-wise, I have the coin flip. Is Christian McCaffrey going to play, or is it going to be Mike Davis? Great thing is is I own that backfield, so I'm not really concerned about which guy I have to play, as I've seen Mike Davis can produce 
in a two-thirds capacity as what Christian McCaffrey can. <sighs> Got to roll Philip Lindsay. He's been part of this with it. I just I don't feel good with Madison. I don't feel good with Edwards. I don't feel good with Kelly, depending on what's all going to happen. Gus Edwards obviously got the touchdown, which put pushed me a little bit over the edge of what I got against Kevin, where J.K. Dobbins didn't get it. Devontae Adams is amazing. Cole Beasley is fantastic. I'm going to get Austin Hooper back after having an appendix removed. Tyler Boyd's absolutely outstanding. Adam Thielen is going to have a really, really tough matchup. I'm rolling with Gerald Everett. I have options between him. I have Tyler Croft that I have an option for, but it's not really feeling good there. Hayden Hurst is on a bye, so I don't feel good, but I've got Jordan Akins against Cleveland. Um, That kind of makes my life a little bit interesting. Michael Gallup's on a bye, but they don't have a quarterback. So my last roster spot comes down to between Gerald Everett, Tyler Croft, and Jordan Akins. Any thought for Gus Edwards? Gus Edwards is obviously one of those pieces where I'm considering. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see what happens with uh, Mark Ingram. Obviously, that that kind of makes me fantasy relevant or fantasy irre- irrelevant as I own both those guys. But with what I've seen out of J.K. Dobbins, yep. you don't feel really excited about either of them. Mm-hmm. And in a tight end premium league, starting a tight end who can get two or three receptions covers me for 30 yards. If you can get two receptions, I cover 30 yards in just the reception piece alone from a running back perspective where Gus Edwards had what last week? He had 23 yards. Right. I cover that in two receptions. Do I take my chances there? And that becomes my big question with it. And then real quick, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, um, how are you feeling with another potential injury? You know, if I get him back for the playoffs, I don't really care. All right. If I get him back for those three weeks, that's all I really care about. Ideally, two weeks. With a, if I get a bye, Stefan's right on my heels. We change points every week with it. Um, we'll see what happens. But you know what? If I can have him for 14, 15, and 16, I'll take him for those three weeks. And if Carolina can keep fantasy relevant, that helps. But Mike Davis has shown that he can do the job without him. Understanding that I get two-thirds the amount of points is – I get anywhere between 15 to 17 with Mike Davis, and I can get 30 with Christian McCaffrey. Um, let's talk about Steve's team real quick, and we'll start with the quarterbacks. Derek Carr's taken on Denver. You can definitely pass on Denver. Uh, it's a yep. rivalry game. I would expect to see Oakland pour it on. Um, that's just how they kind of react. Um, the second quarterback or super flex is going to be interesting. Matt Ryan's on a bye, and uh Ben Roethlisberger went on the COVID list being he didn't test positive, but he was around um, someone that did test positive. So he's on that list. We'll see if he plays. If he does, he's got Cincinnati. And that is a very strong matchup for Ben Roethlisberger in that Steelers passing game. Uh, Running back, you know, Aaron Jones is taking on um, Jacksonville, which is great. Kareem Hunt's back off the bye. Chubb is back. So it'll be interesting or should be back. So we'll see how that factors in. But they're playing Houston, and they might go for over 250 rush yards as a team. Um, at wide receiver, I mean, this is where we're going to see the rest of Steve's team. Michael Thomas is back. DJ Chark had a monster game with uh, Mr. Luton at quarterback. Uh, Deontay Johnson is taking on that Cincinnati team. Uh, DJ Moore, newly acquired. Uh, Jarvis Landry, we'll see how the that uh, Cleveland Brown team looks with Odell Beckham after the bye. Um, and then Noah Fant at tight end. Um, you know, Steve, hopefully he has Big Ben, but he looks like a team that's, you know, this is the team that he envisioned at the start of the year, and it, it looks strong on paper. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I think, a tough matchup for you. Um, Steve's I, yep. team is, you know, he had some bad luck. He had some injuries. But he's up against, you know, he's not completely out of it. Um, we talked about it waving the white towel, but, you know, I think he could give you a run for your money this week. Yeah, so when I look at this, so I played Steve <laughs> back in the day. Aaron Jones went for 40 fucking points. Steve yeah. put him 190 that week. And that was, he was playing Detroit. He's got Jacksonville this week. If Aaron Jones goes hamsky, I lose everything in Devontae Adams, and that's not okay in my roster. Yeah. So that's my – that is 100% my absolute concern. So I'll let you pick first before I pick, and we'll mm-hmm. kind of go in 
to the final week. I already have mine written down, though. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I'm going to go with Steve. I think um, I I just like the matchups he has. I'm going to assume Big Ben plays, and uh, I think he pulls the upset this week. So I pick myself. Uh-huh. Selfishly, this is what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm going to have faith in the roster. I put the bad juju on Kevin, but that always works. I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that to Steve, even though I probably should in some of those pieces. Because you're right, there is a lot of positive upside with it. I just don't like Kevin. No, I'm kidding. I love you, Kevin. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pick myself. We're going to we're going to differentiate here. You're going to uh, you got two games to make up. I'm not going to give you this one. I'm going to take myself and hope that I continue to open up a bigger lead in the pick 'em challenge between us. But we now have our matchup of the week. Matchup of the week. And this one is a doozy. Um, it's it's Kevin versus Adam. Uh, they're separated by two games in the standings. And, uh, I mean, right off the bat, eh, there's a little bit of bye week hell. Kevin's down Travis Kelsey. Uh, and Adam's down, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Michael oh. Hardman. Um, they're... It's it's difficult. Um, who do you want to break down, Dan? Uh, oh, Kevin or, or Adam? I'll take Kevin just because I, I rip on Kevin a lot of the time, so I feel like I yep. need to give him some love a little bit. So right. Riot Tannehill against Indianapolis as well as Derrick Henry against Indianapolis. Tough sleds for both guys. Mm-hmm. Dobbins against New England doesn't look great. Schuster against Cincinnati is encouraging. Robbie Anderson against Tampa Bay is very encouraging. Hunter Henry's got Miami. Shepard is in Philly. Jones has a really tough sled in Washington. Mike Williams plays Miami. Outstanding. <laughs> Daniel Jones gets Philly. So that's kind of how Kevin has it set up right now. No Lev Bell in Kansas City. No Todd Gurley. Oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Kenny Dalladay is not going to play. Whether that's just the, the cold out fact. Calvin Ridley's on a bye, so that's not another good piece to it. Michael Pittman's a very interesting piece against Tennessee. Mike Gesicki's a very interesting piece um, with the fact that he plays the Chargers. Kevin's roster overall is some good sleds and some tough sleds. And how he manages it and how he picks the pieces that he's going is interesting. He's got Marvin Jones in right now, which I like. I enjoy the pieces of. Is Gesicki or Pittman going to be a better option potentially? than what we see there. Larry Fitzgerald is another interesting piece to it. Fitzgerald's put up anywhere between 1.2 to 14.2. He's had two really good last couple weeks with with Kyler Murray, where he's put up 14.2 and 9.4 with this, but he's got a tough game against Buffalo this week. Kevin's got a lot of interesting roster decisions to make. Um but there's some good matchups I really like for Kevin's team. Yeah, real quick on Kevin's team. I think, I mean, David Johnson, you know, he's in concussion protocol. It'll be interesting to see if he gets cleared. If he does, I think I might prefer him over J.K. Dobbins, but, you know, we'll have to see how that situation plays out. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I mean, it's a tough matchup. Washington's actually been very, very solid defensively. No, I was Oh. I actually have to say Stafford. Uh, okay. You know, with a very important matchup on the line, do you really want to start Daniel Jones? Um, even against, you know, it's Philly, but over Stafford? Uh, do you think that's a clear-cut right to choice for Kevin? Or So, in Philadelphia, Daniel Jones, week seven. 20 out of 30, 187, one interception, two touchdowns, and he rushed for 92 yards on the ground. But that's also where he tripped and over one a stumble. plate yeah. of grass and you know, died in a fire with it, which I think cost me a matchup in another league, but let's not get into that. Um, it's very interesting. It really is. I think this is a, man, this is a, this is a really close call. And I think this is where Kevin's got to make the decision on his own. I'm not going to give him one way or another. Um, when we talk about projections, 0.03 is the difference in projections. Good luck picking Kevin. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Adam's team. And, yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, when we look at quarterbacks, you know, he's going to be rolling with, looks like Phillip Rivers against Tennessee, which is a solid matchup, and Nick Foles against Minnesota Monday night. Again, that should be a solid matchup, but you're starting a Bears quarterback, so Godspeed with that one, Adam. Um, at running back, Chase Edmonds should be in line for another top 10 ranking weekend, and 
we'll see if he disappoints or not. Uh, everyone thought Kenyon Drake was the problem, but maybe it's just the running scheme for these guys. Um, Chris Carson right now, if hopefully he's back, um, and that'll probably be um, Adams, you know, second running back. We'll see though. I don't know if he's been cleared. At wide receivers, I mean, Justin Jefferson, uh, Corey Davis, um, Emmanuel Sanders. Those are the guys. Um, who am I missing? Duke Johnson, though. If yep. David Johnson can't go, I mean, that's kind of interesting in this matchup. If David's out, Duke's going to be in. And Duke should be a a very highly sought-out player for this week, um, just given the matchup. Um, right now, at tight end, he's got, you know, Jordan Reed, I, I don't know. I mean, this his t- tight end situation isn't great this week. Um, at George Kittle, obviously, is on IR. Um, do you go with Reed? Do you go with Jueli, um in San Francisco? Do you roll the dice on Sternberger? Um, how do you feel with this tight end situation for Adam? His tight end situation is rough. I think he's making the right call going with, with Jordan Reed. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, just because you don't know what you're going to get out of Ross Dwelly. And I don't think you can trust Sternberger with well how well Tanyan's playing. Yep. So I, I think that's the best decision that it is. The I think the interesting piece is going to be, obviously, you've got Nick Mullins, which is a, mm. a very interesting option with it. But then you have Adrian Peterson as well. And does Adrian Peterson give you any more excitement than potentially Justin Jackson does? Yeah, I mean, I think... I would probably stick with Justin Jackson, assuming he's healthy. Um, but I, I get it. I mean, Adrian Peterson gives you the floor, but I think I think Adam needs the ceiling. So if Justin Jackson's cleared to play, I think you got to go with him. All right. So the last question I'll ask you here before you mm-hmm. make your pick and we finish this pot up is I've never been a fan of starting guys on Thursday night. Yep. I feel very nervous about that. Mm-hmm. Adam has Phillip Rivers and Corey Davis. Kevin has... Derrick Henry. Yep. Are you nervous about Thursday night games? I mean, I think definitely to some degree. It's I, I never like Thursday night games because I think you either a get like a good performance and you just feel super confident, and I feel like that always ends awful, or you get a crappy performance and you got to wait like the next two or three days for the Sunday game or Saturday, if it's late in the season to pick up and you know, you're just feeling down and you think you have no shot. So I hate Thursday games too. Yeah. Um, I'm not a Thursday fan with it, but I mean, we yeah. got to with them. We got to deal with them. And this is just really unfortunate where is Derek Henry going to get tough sled or is Phillip rivers and um, Corey Davis going to have the better opportunity to it. I think this yeah, is and I mean Kevin, and also Tannehill going. Yeah, oh yeah, Tannehill. Sorry, my apologies. Two and two. So here's a question: If we just look at it, yep. Um, you have Tannehill and Henry versus Rivers and uh, Corey Davis. Theoretically, Kevin should win. Like Kevin should. Speaking, yes. Kevin should have more points yep. after Thursday night. If I told you Adam scores more points Thursday night, do you think that's going to correlate to an Adam victory or? You know, it depends. If Adam is up 15, I like it better than anything prior to that. I think 15 is the magic number. So if it's less than 15, you just don't think there's like, I don't think enough there's a to call it? Chance. Nope, not a chance. I mean, but this is like Tannehill and Henry are probably Kevin's like most important players. They are, which is why you need to have 15 at minimum. Because I think... Between, I think Rivers is the better option over Foles and Mullins mm-hmm. with it. And then when we look at the fact that you're starting Corey Davis, there's, I mean, I don't think, I think Corey Davis is a better option than Adrian Peterson as well as um, Russ Dwelly. Yep. And if I don't see at least 15, ideally in the range of 20, I don't feel good for, for Adam. But I feel, oh, if okay, wait. If it's less than 15, I like Adam's chances. If it's more than 15, not a shot in hell. I'm taking Kevin okay. straight up either way. No, let me, okay. So I, I yeah, missed. So yeah, my sorry. question was if, if Adam outscores, if Rivers and Corey Davis outscores Kevin's players, Henry and Tannehill, 
is Adam like a lock? Oh yeah, I think Adam's above and beyond there. I think Kevin needs to be at least up fifteen points at the end of Thursday night okay. to make me feel really good. Okay, so if it's under fifteen points, you think Adam has a shot? Yeah, I'm taking Kevin either way. I'm not putting the 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 orange or the yellow box on like I did last week. No, 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 no. I'm taking Kevin either way. But if I'm Kevin, I need to be up at least fifteen going into Sunday's games after Thursday night. Yeah, I think I think actually probably close. Yeah, I think 15 is probably about right. Um, if it's under 15, I think Adam's going to be in solid shape. Um, but I, I'm going to take Kevin this week. Um, I think Kevin's just got a better team and didn't even mention, um, in addition to Mahomes, Adam's down Julio this week. It's just, yeah. I mean, both teams have buy issues, but, you know, we're seeing Adam's lack of depth kind of show itself at the the worst possible time. Um, so I'll take Kevin um, for Adam's sake. You know, hopefully our um, failures at picking Kevin continue and he can, squeak, <laughs> he can squeak out a victory because, I mean, I think if Adam wins this week, Kevin is certainly, you know, still in good shape to make the playoffs. But if if Kevin wins this week, I think Adam's all but out of the playoffs. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm doing a little. I'm doing a little math here, and I'm gonna put a little on napkin the, math. Okay. I'm gonna put on the little, little bit here as we we wind it down. So we wrong, wrong. Are you going through our picks for Kevin? I'm going through the picks right now for Kevin, and I want to see where this is. Where we stand, okay. So we're gonna be in the. So we have nine weeks prior to this. So theoretically, eighteen picks between both of us. I'm gonna say we're like. I don't know. Six and twelve combined. I, I mean, so week, one, week one we went zero and two. Week okay. two we went zero and two. So we're down zero and four right now. Yep. We're one and five. Uh huh. Two and six. Okay. Where's Kevin at? Where's Kevin? Um, both red, so it's two and eight. Four and eight. Six and ten, it's gonna happen. I six and ten. Am I right? Five and eleven, five and thirteen. We're through nine weeks. So five and thirteen. Five and thirteen for picking with Kevin. So Kevin, I'm sorry, this isn't good for your your shit, but five and thirteen, dude. So, Adam, congratulations on the victory and staying alive. <laughs> Until next week, everyone, have a great week. Yeah, buddy.